Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave.
scars, your open arms, and the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah! Christ is risen from the grave. Check one, two, three. Check, check, check. Perfect. Yeah, I can hear myself right through here. Yeah, check, check, check. Can you hear us if we use this mic? Testing. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're just going to use these mics then. <laughs> shut these ones off. Well, that's well, good. Good morning, everyone. Lovely. Um, what? Oh, are we on or off? We're on and off. We're on and off. <laughs> we're, we're good. Okay, we're good. Uh, a few announcements this morning. We're glad to have you here. We're excited that we get to do communion together this morning. Um, so we're glad that you drove in to be part of that this morning. What else do we have? Yes, if you haven't gotten your communion elements yet, just stick your hand out the window. Put your hand out the window if you need a communion I will element. I come around after announcements and get those to you. So after we're done, Hillary will go down and just stick your arm out, and she'll come around and give you your communion elements. It's a little tiny thing, and there's two layers. You peel the top layer off, and then there's the little piece of paper type bread, and then you peel the second layer, and that's your the juice. So... Lyrics for this morning can be found on the homepage of our website and also the homepage of the Church Center app. Church Center app. Yeah. Talk more about it, it Hillary. I got it in. If you don't have this app, I really, please just download it. Um, it's super great. Church Center great. app. You download, you, you, you choose our church. Yes, you can register for events. You can give online. You can find the prayer request. lyrics. You can find the online connection card on the front as well um, and send us in your prayer requests. It's a good way to stay updated on what we're doing, how to register event for events. Uh, it, it's well used, so get on it here. Um, any other announcements for this morning? I think that's all. That's we're, we're good. Okay, let's uh, let's pray and let's get excited for God to move here this morning. Jesus, we thank you 
Uh, God, we are here for you. We are here to glorify your name, not because of how we want to do it or our, our preference on how church should look, but because you've called us to gather, you've called us together, God, and this is what we're given in this season. So I praise you in this season. God, I pray that we don't focus our thoughts and our eyes and our ears on all the negative in this world, God, but we look to your word, we look to your holiness, we look to your leadership. God, that we are in prayer continuously towards you. God, we thank you for this great morning that you've given to us. This is the day that the Lord has made. God, thanks for all that you've done. I pray this morning we are blessed as we sit and, and worship your name together in our cars, as we listen to your word as you teach us this morning. God, help us to recognize you in a season that can be difficult. You're good, and your mercies endure forever. Amen.
welcome you. Come and have your way. Let's pray this to the Lord, church. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are one desire. this today church all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I love you the fire, darkest night, you are close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have single day all my life you have been 
Yes, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gospel truth. Thank you, Lord, that although we were, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, separated from God, we thank you for the love and grace, grace, Lord, where you showed us, Lord, where Jesus Christ died for us, took upon his shoulders the wrath of God for our sin. We thank you for salvation that is found only in Christ. We thank you for the power of the gospel and how you have changed our lives, saved us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that, that we are armed with the gospel to our friends, our families, Lord. Lord, with the gospel truth that sets people free, that gives people new life in Christ. God, we thank you for your word this morning that we could sing the truth of who you are. Thank you for your word that... that um, that Pastor Kai is going to open up and, and preach, Lord. Thank you that your word is powerful. And Lord, would you give us hearts that anticipate to hear from you and to uh, just be doers of the word moving forward after today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. Uh, for you watching online, we do know that the, uh, the camera exposure is a little weird right now. For you in your cars, we got some Shekinah glory going on online. We're going to fix that. We're going to get that. Well, I don't want to fix the glory part. We're going to fix the wipe. Anyway, let me just preach. Uh, don't get off your notes. Okay, hey, before we jump in this morning, just um, a quick word for, for you. If um, you got our e-newsletter, the, the uh, update I sent out right after this service and still drive-in style. If you um, uh, were, were reading that update, we're having a meeting for those who are interested in joining up with or hearing about what we're doing with our care teams, how we're looking to take care of people in our church and people in our community through, through food and benevolence and help and practical care and just coming alongside people who need someone to come alongside them. So if... Um, if you're interested in that, it's happening right after the service. We even have pizza coming in. So if you're like, hey, but what about lunch? We'll take care of that too. So um, you can kind of hang out and, and just wait as other cars who don't want to be part of that leave. And then we'll come in close and we'll figure out a way to make discussion happen as well, even while you're in your cars. All right. Enough of that. Let's jump into the word this morning. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 is where we are this morning as we wrap up this series through the entire book of Daniel. Let me just say, way to go, church, for, for sticking with us all the way through this series. I was, you know, you kind of look at what most churches do. You stop at like Daniel 6 because the rest gets hard. And you guys have stuck it out through all 12 chapters. And, and I hope you've been blessed by it as we see God's word unfolded for us to give us a hope. You know, it was one summer while I was working with kids at a uh, kids camp. And we're at a campfire with a bunch of 10-year-olds all gathered around the campfire. And, and as what can happen at summer camp when you get a campfire going and kids around it, the ghost stories start to be told. And so someone began to tell this, this crazy, scary story. And the kids are like eyes wide open, mouths open, kind of grabbing a hold of each other as the story's going on, except for one kid. There's this one kid just sitting there with this smile on his face kind of disinterested, kind of not listening, and the, the tension grows in the story. Kids all fearful except for this one kid. 
this goofy grinning kid. And, and so I finally, I lean in, and I'm like, aren't you scared of this story? And he goes, nah, I've heard this story already. I know how it ends. There was no fear in this guy. And so he, here's what I look. As we've been tracking through Daniel, and we're, we're reading through it, studying it in a time in our own lives, when we look around, and there's tension in our world. Life is difficult. There are things that are unknown. There are the frustrations. There's the lack of normalcy. There are financial insecurities. There's the, the heaps of misinformation and, and arguing and fighting online. There's all that going on. And so with all that chaos and tension, the question that I want us to answer this morning is this. How can Christians have a calm in the midst of the chaos? How can we live in such a way where people look at us the way we're doing life and they ask us, hey, how come you're not scared? Why aren't you freaking out like everybody else is in the chaos? You see, Daniel lived in some very dark times. His freedom completely stripped away. He lost everything. He lost his homeland. He lost his worship. He lost his family. He's been in captivity. We get to Daniel chapter 12. It's been over 70 years he's been there. And yet, what do we see time and time again in this book? We see this hope that Daniel has, a hope that's rooted in his trust that God is in control of all of this. So, so you could see Daniel's life and go, Daniel, why aren't you scared? Aren't you scared of the kings here? Aren't you scared of the lion's den? Hey, hey Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, aren't you scared of being thrown into the fire? And over and over again, we're seeing Daniel and these guys living a different kind of life, different than those around them in the chaos, because they have a hope in God. In fact, here's what I see as you, as you think about this idea of hope. The, the way you live now, your thoughts, your behavior, your character, how you live now, I believe is this. It's determined mostly by your hope where there's a, a confidence in the midst of chaos that comes when we know who's in, con in control, who's in charge, and we know how things end up. There's a calm there. We can have a calm in the chaos when, the, when, when we have a, a hope, when we have this deeply rooted confidence in what God's promised, where we have a, a certainty, a certainty not in our abilities, not, not in the, the, the situation around us, in our circumstances, but we have the certainty in God's strength. And God's faithfulness to carry out his promises. So how is it that Christians are calm in the midst of the chaos? Because of the hope you have of a, a guaranteed future reality. And that hope of a guaranteed future changes your present. But let me ask it this way. Why are, are Christians not calm? When you look around, you see Christians that aren't calm in the chaos. Why do I sometimes get anxious or angry or, or frustrated or fearful or distraught at what's going on? And I think it's this. The problem is we tend to look for our hope in places that aren't secure. If our hope is rooted in our work or, or our hope is rooted in a, a perfect Pinterest home or our hope is rooted in, in relationships or, or a total freedom to do whatever I want to do or, or may I, my hope is in reaching a certain standard of being accepted, my, my hope in, in a religion or in my family, and, and we look to those places for hope and those hopes don't last. 
They don't deliver. So we find ourselves frustrated and confused. Why? Because we, we want to give our hope to things that can't give us lasting hope. And so in the midst of chaos, we, we either are disillusioned because we've lost what we put our hope in, or we're calm in the chaos because we have a sure hope. See, for hope to be reliable, for it to be trustworthy, it has to be able to deliver. It has to be able to, to address our biggest, our deepest, our darkest dilemmas in life. We have to have a hope that can stand up in the storm and, and a hope that when we think of our future, all that we know that God has in store for us, that we can look ahead to that and say, man, I'm so excited about that. Even if it means this, even if it means that I do not get what I'm searching for here in my life, here and now, because I know that the best things are definitely ahead of me. That's hope. We need a hope that goes beyond the here and the now if we're to handle the suffering and the chaos of our world. We need a hope that can't be moved. Here we come to Daniel chapter 12, and, and God is giving Daniel here in chapter 12 a true hope, a lasting hope, a living hope, a, a hope that can bear the weight of the chaos and the sin and the brokenness and the evil and the uncertainty of our world. It's an eternal hope. It's a guaranteed future that changes your present situation. So we can have calm in the chaos. So our hope is this. This is our hope. Our hope is this. I have a guaranteed future. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, at that time shall arise Michael. Remember who Michael is. He's the warrior angel. All right. It says here, the, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Such has never been seen since there was a nation till that time. He's saying you're going to experience trials like you never have before. We're going to unpack this a little more as we go through the chapter. But it says this, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. In the midst of the worst suffering you could ever experience, God's saying, listen, you can have a hope, a hope of victory. Now, who's the victory for? The victory is for those whose name is in the book. Well, what book is that? Like, what's God talking about saying that there are names written in a book? Well, if you read Revelation, six times in the book of Revelation, there's this book talked about it. Paul talks about it in Philippians as well, Philippians chapter 4, about this book with names in it. Let, let me read for you Revelation 3, verse 5. It says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will, listen, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Man, how cool is that? Like, listen to the hope in that, that. That in heaven, when you stand before God, you can have this hope. Not a flimsy hope. Not, not a hope that, oh man, I hope my name stays there. I hope it's not erased because of my sin. No, no, no. A hope that says it's never going to be blotted out. Never erased. And when you stand there in the, in the grace of God, covered by the blood of Christ, his sacrifice on your behalf, when you stand there, Jesus will say, I mean, think about this, will say your name before the Father and the angels. I mean, picture that. As you're standing in heaven, Jesus says, hey, this is, and says your name, and welcomes you into eternity. That's our hope. How is that even possible? How, how is that scene in heaven even going to happen? 
Well, in Revelation 21, 27, the, the book's also called the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life. So, so how do we have this hope of this guaranteed future that changes my present situation? It's through the Lamb. You read to the Old Testament, it's just filled with this sacrificial system for dealing with sin. This sin that separates us from God. Sin, sin that would rightly and justly blot our names out. And over and over again, there's this picture being played throughout all the Old Testament of a lamb standing in the place of God's people, taking the penalty for their sin, dying so they didn't have to. All of that, all through the Old Testament, all pointing to the day when Jesus, the perfect lamb, the perfect lamb of God would come. And, and then Jesus giving himself as this lamb, put to open shame taking our sin on his shoulders. Jesus goes to the cross, and he's the sacrifice, Hebrews says, that ends all sacrifices. He dies on our behalf. He, he absorbs God's wrath against our sin. And on the cross, as the Lamb of God, he cries out, it's finished. The victory's won. It gives us this, this full guarantee of that victory. Gives us a full guarantee. How? Because he doesn't stay dead. He defeats death in his resurrection. Now we know our hope secure in him as we put our hope in him. So whose names then are written in this Lamb's book of life who have that kind of hope? Only those who put their hope in Christ. Their trust in Jesus alone. In fact, let me ask you this. Is, is there a day where, where you can say, no, I, I remember the day. I know the day where I came to the end of putting my hope in myself and I surrendered my life to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm so filled with sin. I can't take care of it on my own. I need you. And so I'm giving my sin to you to be forgiven. I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting in you and your sacrifice that took, took care of my greatest problem, my sin. If, if that's you, if you're like, yeah, no, I have that story in my life, your name is written in the book of life. Now here's what it means. Look at verse 2. You see where, where it goes from here. Verse 2 says this, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. So sleep in the dust of the earth, that means you're dead, right? Sh shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so he, here you have the strongest and clearest Old Testament reference to the resurrection. Those who sleep in the dust, those who are dead, there is a guaranteed resurrection. But look what it says. It says, some are resurrected to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt or, or, or shame or, or disgrace. You see, the other side of hope is hopelessness. And, and for those who, who do not trust in Jesus as their hope for life and death, there is not an everlasting hope says here in Daniel, they're, they're resurrected to an everlasting hopelessness, separated from God forever in hell. But for those who know Jesus, 
This is our hope, to be resurrected with him and into to a new heaven and a new earth. And for some of you listening right now, this is your whole sermon right here. What choice are you making today? Is it one of everlasting hope or everlasting hopelessness? What are you doing with Jesus today? Where you make the choice today to reject him? To put it off for another time? To hope in yourself? To hope in your works? Hoping that maybe God will say, hey, don't worry about all that sin stuff. You're all in. Listen, listen. If that's where you are this morning, your guaranteed future is hopeless. Or you can repent. Repent and believe and have a guaranteed future of hope. A hope of the resurrection that, that a hope of the resurrection that changes how you live today. Knowing this, that today is not the end for us. But we have a guaranteed hope. In fact, look at verse 4. You can see this guarantee. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to, to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. What's, what's he saying? He's saying, shut the book up. Seal the book up. It's another way of saying, hey, this book, this promise, this is guaranteed. It has my seal on it. The future resurrection to put your hope in is a guaranteed future. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the victory that you now share, that in the, in the midst of the chaos of life, you can rest knowing this. The war has been won. The enemy's been defeated. But here's the tough part. Like Daniel, we're still waiting for that, that hope to be fully realized. In, in this moment, we recognize that the victory's been won, and we're in this, this yet, not yet, yes, the victory's been won, but it hasn't been fully realized yet because we still feel the effects of sin all around us. And so to have this calm in the chaos, there's a battle for that, a battle for hope. For some, it's a battle to believe. And you're in that battle right now maybe where you're like, is Jesus even real? Is this where I should put my hope? And there's a battle for that. For some of you, it's a battle to, to rest in, to trust the gospel. And you, and you wrestle with these, these thoughts of I'm too sinful. I'm too rebellious. I'm, I'm too broken. And, and you're like, yeah, I know my hearts. I know my thoughts. And I, I know the sin in me. And I battle this every day. It's Sunday morning, it's the worst. I'm about to get up to preach, and, and all I can think about is, is, who are you to preach? Look at your sin. Look at your doubts. Look at your thoughts and your selfishness. There's that battle to say, no, my hope's not in me. My hope's in Christ. It's a battle to rest there, that, to rest in the truth of the gospel that says, yes, you are more sinful than you would ever admit to anybody else, but, but through Christ you're also more loved than you could ever imagine. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like I'd say it this way, the, the courtroom is closed for the believer. The judge has already declared you righteous. But, but there's this battle we fight to be dragged back into that courtroom, isn't there? Sometimes it's, it's our own shame and our own guilt and our own struggle and, and our own fear and we drag ourselves back into the courtroom 
We put, we put our, ourselves and, our, and how we think up on the, the stand as witnesses against us. So, sometimes others can drag you into the courtroom. And, and we fear how people think about us or, or we hear people speak against us and, and there's this, this battle to recognize, wait a minute, I don't belong in the courtroom anymore. The judge has already declared me free and righteous. There's a battle for the Christian to live out this hope, to actually put action to the truth of the hope that you have. There's a battle to, to gather for worship. Sunday mornings can be some of the hardest mornings in our houses, right? There's a, a spiritual war being waged for us to gather for worship. There's, there's a battle to sacrificially give. Where God's called us to, to give with a cheerful heart, like, mm, but I want to hold on to it. There's, there's a battle to serve, to, to give up that time. There's a, a, a battle for the courage to share this hope you have within you with the people around you, to share it with other students you go to school with, to, to share it with the people you work with, to share it with the people you do life with. There's a battle for that courage. There's a battle we fight to, to not give in to sin. There, there's a battle we fight to forgive those who have hurt us. There's a battle we fight in the midst of the chaos to say, today I choose joy. So yes, it's a hope, a, a hope that Jesus has won, but we're also holding on, waiting for, hoping in that final victory. Because look again at verse 1. Look what he says. He says, there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Here's what God's saying. Daniel, your hope is secure, but the battle will be intense. He says, There's a, it's a prophecy here going, there is coming a time, a time of trouble like the world has never seen before. Worse than the 400 years you were brutally treated in slavery in Egypt. Worse than the 70 years in Babylon. Worse than what Daniel was told about this Antiochus Epiphanes who was coming. It's going to be worse than that, Daniel. Worse than the Roman occupation. Worse than the plagues of Europe. Worse than the world wars we've experienced. Worse than the devastation of, of Mao and Stalin and Hitler who, who killed millions and millions there's a prophecy here saying it's going to get worse. There's a time coming, the Bible calls it the Great Tribulation. There's a theology out there that says the world is going to continue to get better before Jesus returns. Scripture, and I would say our own experience would say, I don't think that's true. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 5. It says, then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on, on that bank of the stream, likely angels that have come to join Daniel in this. And, and it says, and someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, so probably a, a pre-incarnate appearance again of Jesus. We, we saw that in the earlier chapters of this prophecy where Jesus appears. And listen to the question the angels ask Jesus. It's a great question. It says, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? I, I love that. Here's what I love about that. Angels are even asking, how much longer? I mean, don't you feel that sometimes? I mean, my wife and I were just talking about that just this week where there's that, that angst and it's like, how much longer? God, how, how much more of this sin and brokenness before you make everything right? How, how much longer before you deal the final blow to sin? 
in, in these tough days. Have you ever had this thought where you're like, Jesus, today's a good day to come back. Like, like you can come back now. Like, like how long is this going to be? And so Jesus answers, look at verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it will be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, when the suffering's done, all these things would be finished. You guys got that super clear, right? Oh, yeah, time, time, half a time. We got that. I love the next verses. It's so weirdly comforting to hear what Daniel says. Look at verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? I mean, Daniel's doing the same thing we do when we read through books like Daniel. I don't get it. I can't figure that out. That's, that seems confusing. And then you, you look at the numbers of, of the times given further down. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. Remember, we've been talking about that, that, that something's happening in the temple that will, that will completely obliterate worship. When that's happened, it says, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Now, Re Revelation 11.3 also talks about these same 1,260 days of Daniel's prophecy. And, and, and you can find different people trying to figure out, hey, what does this mean? What's, what's a time, times, and half a time? Some would say it's a, it's a year, a year, and a half year. So it's, it's the three and a half years. And then you add up those other numbers in 11 and 12, and you can kind of come to, it's, it's almost three and a half years there. Maybe, maybe some added days on there, those extra 45 or 60 days. Maybe that's where God is is. is pouring out more judgment, or maybe that's, there's a, a space where there's a rebuilding happening there. Maybe it's just a pause. Likely this might, is it the, the halfway point in the seven-year tribulation where after the abomination of desolation, the three and a half more years of the great tribulation becomes more intensified in, in its sorrows and in its, in its persecution and in the, in the wrath of God being poured out. And I mean, it's good to study this stuff, but, but here's why I, I want to make sure we don't lose the point. Because look how Jesus answers the question that Daniel asks. Daniel says, give me more details. Are we like that? Hey, pastor, preach a revelation. We want to know what everything, what it all means. We want, we want details of the end times. Look at verse 9, how Jesus answers him. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. He says, it's guaranteed, it's going to happen. Go your way. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And, and I love that. Jesus doesn't give him the answer he's looking for, but gives him the answer he needs. It's so Jesus, isn't it? I mean, you read through all the New Testament Gospels, and people are always asking Jesus questions, and I love it. He never gives them the answer they're looking for. He says, no, 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 no. Let me give you the answer beneath the question you're asking. I'm going to give you the answer to the question you should have asked. And so Jesus says to Daniel, and, and Jesus saying to us this morning, go your way. Live a pure life. Live a different life, refined by the hope you have of a guaranteed future. I mean, we want details. We, we want answers. Yet that Jesus is saying, hey, the greatest question that you should be asking has been answered. Your sin is forgiven. Your future is guaranteed. In our trials, we want answers. Even in our, in, in when we're, we're doing things and things are working out, I, I love when Jesus sends the disciples out. 
You read about this in the Gospels. He sends out 72. They come back and they're saying to Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. It was amazing. Like demons were cast out. People were healed. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, hey, hey, that's great. High five for that. But don't just rejoice in that. In fact, rejoice more in this, that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, it's the same answer he's giving Daniel. Daniel, you're worried about the details. Here's your hope. Come back to this. We always want, hey, give me the five ways to do this. Hey, preacher, give me the ten things I need to do this week. What are the practical things? Listen, all those practical things are good, but they mean nothing without this hope. The trials we're going to face are too great. The temptation is too strong. We need a solid hope. We need a a Romans 8, 35 to 39 kind of hope. Listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our hope. That's a future hope that changes how I live today. That gives calm in the chaos. Did you hear in those verses the the chaos of death, the chaos of suffering, the chaos of persecution, the chaos of questions trying to be answered to know that none of that can touch your guaranteed future? It's the root of our hope. I mean, you study God's word all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. You see over and over again, all through every page, the hope of Jesus and his perfect life and his sacrifice. And we're not going to endure until our hope is rooted there. Because if being calm in the chaos is up to us, we're going to get tired. We're going to get fearful. We're going to get anxious. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to be rebellious. But when we put our hope in Jesus, you see, his promises are perfect. His his endurance will last. We can go our way, as Jesus says, "Go, go your way. Go your way with a hope in him. The the only hope, the only rescue, the only healing, the only restoration, the only guaranteed transformation for our lives in a sin-sick, evil-filled world. It's not found in politics. It's not found in education. It's not found looking deep within our own hearts. It's found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. He took the worst of all tribulation. He took the full impact of sin to redeem and to restore. And so we now have this unshakable hope that that the one who gave everything is going to fulfill his promises. And so we hope in him, we rest in him. Every day we wrestle our hearts away from lesser hopes to find this guaranteed hope. And let let me encourage you, when when trials come and they reveal how weak you are to save yourself and you find yourself losing hope, we don't need to panic. Instead, in that moment, we can rejoice. Thank you, God. Thank you again for revealing that I wasn't resting on your hope alone. Thank you that I don't need to save myself. Thank you that I have a redeemer. Thank you that I have a hope. Look at verse 13. You see what 
Jesus rooted Daniel's ability to live a life of hope. He says, go live this out. Here's how he rooted it in, in his life. Look at verse 13. Go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. He says, Daniel, go. Go live out this hope. Go live for me. And when you rest, when you die, you will stand in your allotted place. Uh, another way of saying, Daniel, when you die, you will be raised again and you will receive your e- eternal inheritance. An inheritance that 1 Peter 1.4 says, an inheritance that's, that's imperishable, undefiled, will, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So, so Daniel held on to that hope. Hope the kingdom of heaven was real, that it's coming, and it meant everything to him. It, it dominated his life. You read through the book of Daniel, you see this. That this isn't just a hobby for him. He's not just doing a religious thing. If it were a poker game, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all chips to the center of the table. We're all in on this. And if this hope isn't real, we're losing it all on this too. We're not holding back, waiting for a, a better hand. We're all in on this. And so, so the question I would ask of us this morning is, what about us? How does this message of hope, of new life, of, of changed hearts, of, of a, a world turned upside down about, uh, by Jesus, how does that impact us? telling you churches are filled with people who have given up on any hope of, of living a radically different, a, an abundant life. Filled with people who said, I'm just checking in to check out. And, and we exchange this promise of an abundant life for this normal, church-going, religious experience. Listen, we can have calm in the chaos when we remember Jesus died for me. He took my sin, he took my failure, he took my hurts, he took my rebelliousness, he took my brokenness, he took all of that and gave me his righteousness in exchange. If that's the case, I'm all in. I'm sold out. We have a hope that that my sin does not get the last word. We we have a hope that 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 sickness you're battling now or the sickness that's in your family, that, that sickness does not get the last word. We have a hope that the brokenness of our world with with news filled with tragedy after tragedy, that doesn't get the last word. Babylon and the beast will be defeated. Jesus came to earth and he said these words, the kingdom is here. Jesus basically saying this, the hope that Daniel held on to, it's here today. It has arrived. And, And then Jesus proved it over and over and over again. Sure, he didn't destroy Babylon right away, but he began to reverse the curse, didn't he? You, you see Jesus' life where he's, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead. He's showing the hope of victory by confronting death and evil, reversing it. I love how he, he shows the hope of, of this guaranteed future by going after those who would be written off as, as you're the ones in Daniel talked about who, who will be raised in shame and contempt. And Jesus says, no, I'm going after those. And he begins to talk to the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And he invites them to be a part of the family of God. He says, no, no, no. grace is for you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Hope has arrived. On the cross, as he cries out, it is finished. He, he defeats evil and death. And then Jesus, the, the one who shines bright like the sky. Scripture calls him the morning star. 
He lets the beast trample him into the dust like the wicked here in Daniel 12. Jesus takes the shame and the contempt so that we could shine like stars. You know, in church, we, we come back to this hope. We, we remember this hope by, by celebrating communion together. In fact, in fact, before we pull this whole chapter together, I, I want us to stop right now. Stop right now and, and remember this hope we have of Christ's sacrifice. So if, if you have the elements with you right now and at home you've got them, let's remember this hope together as, as an act of worship before we move on with our day to realign our hearts again, to wrestle our hearts to this hope, a guaranteed future that changes my present, a hope of the gospel. It says in Scripture that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He says, this is my body given for you. He's saying, this is my body, my life, taking the, the brunt, full force of the beast. You're, you're reading about the tribulation to come. Jesus took that and more, all of it, on the cross. He said, I'm giving myself to pay that full penalty for your sin. So what do we do? We eat this in remembrance of him, and we remember the cost of our hope. Let's eat together. It says, after that, Jesus took the cup. He says, this is a celebration of your hope. He says, this, this cup represents my blood poured out for you. It's, it, it says it's the cup of the new covenant. What's the new covenant? Your hope secured. And so what do we do? We drink this together. Why? To remember the guarantee of our hope. Let's drink together. It's good for us to remember the cross. It's good for us to remember the reversal that happens. It's good for us to remember that Jesus takes the shame and the contempt. It's good that he says, I'm standing in your place so you have a guaranteed hope. See, because out of the sacrifice of the cross, he raises victorious. So, so we now can shine like stars, so that, so that we can have this inheritance, so that we have an eternal hope that this world can't touch. I love it because Jesus, he, after the cross, he raises again. What's he do? He, he empowers the church by his Holy Spirit to be these communities that are celebrating this life of the hope of God's kingdom. And really what Jesus is saying, he, he says it to his disciples, and you see it in the church, in the early church, where he's, he's pointing to the church, and he's saying to those watching around, he goes, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it looks like when, when the hope of Daniel touches down and starts to take over the world. That's what we're supposed to be, church. We're the example of Daniel's hope. We're, we're the, the proof that, no, no, Jesus is real. He's changed us. So in the, in the chaos of waiting for our hope to be fully revealed, listen, those first Christians in Acts, they stubbornly, joyfully insisted, no, no, the kingdom's here now. Even though Rome kept doing what Rome does, killing them, throwing them in prison. And in prison they sang songs. 
They went to the, to the Colosseum and died with joy. Why? Because they realized something, that, that these earthly kingdoms being raised up again and again, they said, this isn't my hope. The kingdom is here. And still today, still today now, we as Christians following Christ, we can stubbornly and joyfully insist that something happened when Jesus went to the cross, when we just celebrated communion, and when he rose again, that there's a hope of resurrection for all of us, that, that we now can live this, this upside-down kingdom in a world full of chaos. We can have peace and joy. We can sacrifice and serve and give away because we're like, this isn't it. I may be suffering now but it can't compare to the glory waiting for me in heaven. So yes, we still wait for the fullness of our hope. There is still so much tension and chaos. The story full of fear. But we, listen, we sit around the campfire with this otherworldly smile on our face, with a joy about our lives, where people will ask as the story goes on around us, why are you so joyful? Why are you so forgiving? Why are you so generous? How do you walk around with this confidence that, that nothing seems to touch? Why are, you, why, why are you so caring about people that other people don't care about? Why, why are you laying down your rights and freedoms, not fighting for that, but you're fighting for the marginalized and the hurting? Why, why are you so loving? May our communities, may our, our people that are watching in on us, may I pray this, that they would be asking this question about you. How are you so calm in the chaos? And you can say, my hope has come. My hope is Jesus. I mean, do, do you have that hope? In fact, let me ask you this. Where do you need to shift your hope this morning? Where are you grasping? Where, where are you striving? Where are you trusting in yourself? Where are you trusting in the world? Where are you trusting in others? And this morning you say, Lord, my hope is in you alone. Give me that peace, that joy, that thankfulness, that forgiveness, that love that comes only when my hope is resting in you. And listen, as we wrap up right now, as we're closing right now, we're wrapping up this, this whole series in Daniel. You might be saying, yeah, yeah, Kai, that sounds great, but I'm no Daniel. <laughs> Listen, Daniel was a prisoner of war. He, he was a slave who lost everything. But he knew this, what you also know. God is still in control. God is providentially working out everything for his glory and our good. And what's our good? Our ultimate good? Romans 8, 28, you read the verses before that. What's the good he's working out? He's working out this good, that you're being made more and more like Jesus even in the suffering. See, hope isn't a program. It's not an experience. It's not a religious system. Our hope is falling on her knees before Jesus and saying, I can't do this. I need you. It's saying, I trust in your sacrifice on my behalf to take care of my greatest need and provide my greatest hope of a guaranteed future. And so I'm standing in joy and confidence in that hope. It means grabbing those around you and asking them, remind me of this hope. It's, it's, it's being in each other's lives, pointing each other to this hope. My, my prayer for us this morning is this. As I believe that God wants to do so many great things among us. 
I believe he can and still does do the miraculous. I believe that he wants to use our church to be a, a changing force in our world around us. But I also believe this. It only happens amongst people who see their brokenness, their weakness, and they know they need the Lord. And they want him more than anything else. See, that's where God works. It's always that way. And so with that hope, we move out of here in the midst of the chaos of life. And listen, more and more being changed into the image of Christ and shining like stars in our universe. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for a truth that we can hold on to. I thank you for a hope that is sure. Lord God, everything around us are these, these shifting sands and, and there are things that don't offer us hope but we grab a hold of them. So Lord, we're even thankful for the hard times, the storms you send into our lives to, to wash away the sand, to reveal what we're standing on so we can move again onto the hope of the gospel. God, fill us with that hope today. Lord God, that we would have a hope, a hope of a guaranteed future that changes the way we live today. For your glory, for our good, and for more to come to faith, to become part of your family, to experience this same hope. Send us out of here on that mission. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Love you guys so much. The, uh, the care teams, like I say, just kind of hang out or maybe you got to move around so others can get around you and then we'll just meet right back here, okay? God bless you guys. Love you.